0: I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Don't touch that dial. You're
1: tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network.
0: Welcome to Development Hell. For every horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up D.O.A. Development Hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Korngut. I am the managing editor of Dread Central. I am also a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Development Hell. Today's a very special day in the kingdom. Why do you ask? Well, it's Wes Craven's birthday. And to celebrate the birthday of our king, we're going to take a bit of a detour down the lane to an unmade sequel to what I would say is his darkest film. Today, we are going to be talking about the unmade sequel to The Last House on the Left. He did write a script, and we're going to get into that later. We are joined today by a very special returning guest judge, We have with us Samantha White. She was with us previously on an episode about Bride of Frankenstein, and we're very excited to have her back. Sam, how's it going?
1: Hello. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me again. Oh my god,
0: we're so excited to have you back. For those that don't know, which is probably most people, Sam is one of my best friends in the entire world and frequent creative collaborator. Would you agree with both of those titles?
1: I would agree with both of those titles. I think they are equally indicative of my abilities mm-hmm. and what I bring mm-hmm. to this world
0: For those that maybe don't remember you and how dare they, can you do me a favor of reintroducing yourself to the development how audience?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I am a writer, editor,
0: very good at reining in my writing and a very beautiful creative on her own right so Sam. You know, we brought you in for a pretty dark topic today. I'm just wondering before we get into the nitty gritty, what is your personal relationship with The Last House on the left?
1: Well, could I start you with my personal relationship to Wes Craven? Because I found something else out when I was looking through, when I was doing a little scroll through his filmography. Mm -hmm. Um, Would you like to know or guess the first Wes Craven movie that I ever saw?
0: Oh, my God, I absolutely would love to guess because I don't know. Okay, so there's going to be a lot of factors to consider, like your Mm -hmm. age, our our era, when when you were, what? Okay, so I'm going to say this is probably like. I think
1: I'm going to also help you. And I'm going to say that it's worth knowing or worth remembering because you know this, Joshua, my friend. But, Uh of course, the audience doesn't know this, that I also only watched the entire Scream franchise within the last year.
0: I was not going to guess Scream. I was yes. not. Oh, I think I got it. I think I have it. But I probably okay. don't. But if I do, it's very funny. Music of the heart.
1: No, but I wish. I did see that and was so confused.
0: Because <laughs> I don't think a lot of these old timer horror directors were comfortable with their horror label. Right. And that was where that came from. Okay, so not, I really wish I was right with that one, but I'm not. Okay, do I get one more shot?
1: You get one more shot, and I believe same era. I could be walking you down the wrong path, but I believe same era.
0: Holy! Oh, okay. Mm, I have it. One more guess. I've got one more goose in the booth, <laughs> and that is. <sighs> is it called Vampire in Brooklyn with Eddie Murphy?
1: I think it is, but I no. that okay. was not it.
0: All right, what is it?
1: It was, of course, Red Eyes, starring Rachel McAdams and oh. Cillian Murphy. I saw that in theaters. I will never forget the the pen stab in the trachea. It'll stay with me forever. So thank Is you, the trachea, trachea, like
0: your your collarbone.
1: It's like the it's like your so esophagus area. I believe
0: oh, maybe okay.
1: it's into the o- esophagus, but I th- I thought it was trachea.
0: And she got him right.
1: Yes, she gets him, yes, because she realizes while on this plane mm-hmm. that he's been kind of, like, stalking her and all that. No I enjoyed Red Eye, to be honest with oh, you.
0: Oh, Red Eye, I believe, like, well-loved classic.
1: Canadian, well,
0: Canadian Queen. Canadian Queen. We're going to
1: talk about more. Oh, no, are they? Sarah Paxton's not Canadian. She just does a ton of Canadian stuff, right? I
0: don't think she's Canadian, but I think I told you blatantly that she was Canadian. <laughs> that or, sounds right. I think Martha McIsaac. Yes, she
1: is. She is,
0: and, so, and we are going to get into her a little bit. So that was your first relationship with Wes Craven, Red yes. Eye, pretty classic. Ooh, do I get to say my first relationship with Wes Craven now that we're getting into Absolutely, it?
1: Absolutely, you should. Oh it is, You're toasting the king God. on his on his birthday.
0: Happy birthday, King! We love you. Um, hmm, I don't know. To be honest with you, it's probably Scream. May have been, might have been a Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm guessing one of those first two. I think I saw Scream pretty early.
1: That would so. make sense for our, our childhood, our era.
0: <laughs> our our oeuvre. I our, mean, the first our horror era, movie,
1: Our era, yeah, era our
0: oeuvre. Our our ourselves. I think the first, I know, I know the first horror movie I ever saw was I know what you did last summer. Fans of this podcast might remember me saying that many times. Yeah. I don't think
1: I knew that that was your first one, to be honest it, with you.
0: It was, yes. Oh. And I think it says a lot. So we love Wes Craven. I think we'll talk about him a little bit more down the lane. But I'm wondering with this movie, had you seen it before we tackled it for this episode?
1: So I had seen the original version once, about a year ago. And mm-hmm. I I mean, I don't know how much we wanna go into it yet, but I surprisingly really I want, I don't want to say really liked it for a movie like this because I feel like that's a little. Uh, Problem. Uh, yes, a little. Um, Problem tar- in the attic. Yeah. Yes, yes. Problem in the attic. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and there are no flowers in there.
0: None. Um, They're dead.
1: But yes. So I I enjoyed the film more than I was expecting to. Certainly. Um, mm-hmm.
0: and I remember that.
1: Yeah, we fought about it a little bit. I,
0: I was gonna ask you to bring it up and I, yeah. I am just so proud of you for doing that on your own accord. Yeah, yeah. So what was my reaction when you when you came to me, your horror friend, as a non-horror person yourself and said, I saw Last House of the Left and I liked it.
1: Well, I think you were surprised, and then I think like we we're talking about it, we were getting into the reasons of why uh, of why I appreciate it. It, if not uh-huh. liked it, it's also very. Side note, it's very fascinating to look at the letterbox reviews for this movie. I don't know if you did.
0: I've never. But had. They are
1: all like three and a half, four and a half stars, or half star, or one star. Like they are oh, polar. is so polarized, which makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. Obviously,
0: yep. Um, this is the polar Yeah, vortex. so
1: we. I just, I think that you were. I think you were surprised that I liked it. I think I went at you with like a, well, you haven't seen it since you were 12. Maybe you should watch it again. And then <laughs> you did favorite. not love me telling you to, to no. approach a horror movie again. So, no, you know, no. which is fair. <laughs>
0: how dare a non-horror person, you know, give me feedback, right? Like, how dare that be well, of your of course.
1: Menu? Of course, feedback in general. I mean. Yeah,
0: not, a, not appreciated. No. No. And I think part of my appallment was that, A, like, I'm your horror person. I'm your man. You should be coming to me for recommendations, and you're not, which is, like, okay. I do.
1: I watch a lot of horror Mm -hmm. stuff with Uh you. uh
0: And then what made it worse is it's, like, this is what you're picking? Like, out of all of the classics, out of all of the fun, like, iconic... Well, I like
1: fun. I had been, to be (laughs) fair, I had Mm -hmm. been doing a run of, like, very early slashers that are super fun, super campy. And I was loving those too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're always a little off kilter in ways that I don't appreciate. Like Sleepaway That's Wait, what Camp. I like
1: about them. That's what I like about them.
0: No, um, but that's okay. We're all our own men. We're all our own Listen, women.
1: I don't, I, I acknowledge the issues inherent in, in both of those <laughs> movies of which there are many. Um, okay. But I think that, I mean, Last House on the Left more so than Sleepaway Camp. I'm not going to say this for Sleepaway Camp. But I think, like, at least with Last House on the Left, I found the the lens to be correct. I found that, like, what was trying to be said and shown was that was being done effectively. And I think that that is what, what got me. I mean, beyond the 90-minute um, runtime or less than 90-minute runtime, which I, you know I'm a sucker for.
0: It. And who isn't? It's just such a beautiful gift to your audience. It is. Uh, it? I agree with you on some fronts, and I disagree with you on other fronts. I have to say I I stand proudly with my 12-year-old self still after this rewatch. This is not the reason... I'm coming to horror movies. They're... Yeah. Like, nothing fun is going on here. There is uh, a lot of mean-spiritedness afoot. Um, and the satisfaction that I think, you know, presents itself with, with the final act is just not the satisfaction I'm seeking in my genre. So I think it's not so much a fact of I don't think this is a good film because... I think it's kind of hard to argue that it's not. It's just, mm. it's just truly not for me. A
1: difference for me is I'm not necessary. I knew I wasn't coming into this to have fun for sure. Like this wasn't me showing up to like a theater for like a, uh-huh. a, 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 an experience in the same way um, that I would with like or that I did even to go see Nope last week.
0: <sighs> yeah, the genre is precious for me, and that's why I'm like looking for it to not truly tear me in half. Mm-hmm. And I think what it when it does it's kind of like i don't know this is going too far I think it's going too far for me it's yeah this film goes too far for me it, it it teeters in the world of like true exploitation and that just like I stop enjoying myself and i I stopped enjoying myself you know right away in this film yeah and then that long prolonged segment in the woods where she where he makes her pee herself and you know it's going to be as bad as possible and none of these people like I like to like my villains I think one of the reasons why Mm. Craven's like one of his most successful works or actually all of his successful works you root for the villain you love Freddy you love even Ghostface Mm. these are charismatic characters like these are people that you can root for even though they're doing terrible things and that just doesn't happen with Last House on the Left.
1: Yeah, maybe this is a good movie, but it's not like a a good horror movie, if that makes sense. Like, it they is a good that. horror movie, but like, it's it's not doing the things necessarily that a horror movie should do to be what a horror movie is. Yeah, I I
0: actually, it doesn't even feel like a horror movie to me. Yeah. It doesn't have any of the beats. There's no spookiness. There's no jump scare. There's really no, like, you know, that level of atmosphere it's
1: mm-hmm. just kind of
0: like gritty realism followed oh, by atmosphere. violence yeah. there was atmosphere yes but not like a yeah not like a spooky not ambiance atmosphere. yeah atmosphere yeah. but not
1: ambiance maybe atmosphere
0: but um my friend samantha would yes. you mind if i gave a bit of a seminar on the original last house on the left
1: i would absolutely love nothing more than for you to do that
0: So for people at home that need a bit of a reminder, Last House on the Left is from 1972. And as I was saying, it is an exploitation horror film from our dear friend Wes Craven, who wrote, direct, and edited this project as his very first film. Did you know this was his very first feature?
1: I did. I did Mm -hmm. know it was his very first feature, but I did not know that he did the whole kit and caboodle, even Yes,
0: he did, which is interesting. He, he produced it alongside Sean S. Cunningham. And that is another very iconic name in the landscape of horror. This is the guy that brought us the first Friday the 13th film. So this is an interesting early collaboration between two people that would go on to be maybe the most influential voices in 80s horror the film follows our character of Mary Collingwood as played by Sandra Peabody. She is what I believe is supposed to be depicting as a fairly average hippie teenager of her generation. Uh, she goes out with one of her friends on the eve of her birthday and runs into a group of like savage criminals who abduct them, take them to the woods, torture them, humiliate them rape them, and brutally murder them. Uh, After this ordeal, uh, by the luck of God, they find their way Mm -hmm. to Mary's house, where they spend the night, and Mary's parents realize that they have murdered their daughter, and they brutally murder the four of them, or I think the three of them. Maybe even just two of them, I'm not 100% certain. uh, I think one dies kind of
1: early, and then... The boy? The rest are murdered.
0: Yeah. Who kills himself, I think, right? Shoots himself in oh, the head? Oh, does he? I forgot. Well, his, his crew is like, shoot yourself in the head, and then I think he does, so that was sad. Oh, yeah. It is and very the,
1: sad. Much much yeah. more effective than what they do with sad, sad emo boy in the... In
0: the in the, in the remake? remake.
1: Yeah. I'm so
0: excited to talk to you about the remake, because I, I assigned Yay! you to rewatch it, and I haven't seen it since 2009, but I remember really enjoying it. Um... I'm excited for your thoughts. So, yeah, that's the basic rundown for what this film was about. Craven has said in multiple occasions that the inspiration for this is the 1960s Swedish film, The Virgin Spring, directed by who else? Inger Bergman. And it has a very similar setup. Basically, I don't know, to my understanding, it's exactly the same. Although I do believe, um, like, the young, innocent member of the gang gets, like, terribly, brutally murdered in that one. So, yeah, Craven originally wrote this screenplay to be overtly pornographic, and I believe there is, and I believe Wes Craven actually comes from a background of pornography. Like he he had directed porn prior to this. Uh, did you know, know
1: that? I did not know that.
0: Yeah, yeah, our dear our dear friend cut his teeth, shall we say, in the porno biz, and you kind of see it with this movie.
1: You definitely so, see it at least in the, I mean, for obvious mm-hmm. reasons you see it, but also in the very, like, guerrilla 70s vibe of it all.
0: Mm-hmm. Where everything just kind of looked like porn back then. It's kind mm-hmm. of impossible not to.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. Uh, though when they were going to camera and when they were auditioning their actors, they made a, a conscious choice to change it to just strict horror. And I think that was a good move. Um, Yeah, this movie was kind of bad for Wes Craven's career early on. It Hmm. did make a good deal of money, or not a good deal, but it did make money. But it was so controversial, specifically because of its marketing, that it became difficult for Craven after this to get new work. I think the tagline for the film was, can a movie go too far? Which is kind of genius. So yeah, this movie made 3 million buckarunos and only cost about $90,000 to make. Yeah, so this must have been one of the more or most profitable horror films when it came out and went on to become a bit of a classic. Um, it got bad reviews though. People were really confused about the intercutting of slaps. People were really confused about the intercutting of slapstick comedy with like brutal scenes of humiliation and rape. How do you feel another about that? Another thing
1: Cause... I unfortunately, I was just going to say, yeah. another thing that unfortunately really worked for me. What? Um, ah. Yes, it did. It did. Because, well, <laughs> A, part of the reason it worked was because the big doofuses in this movie, the people that were laughing at mostly are the cops, are those stupid cop characters. Yes. And Very funny. It actually gives this whole like this whole misconnections. Oh, if someone had just seen, it gives it some more weight because it actually yeah. like gives the callousness of people, like
0: it mm-hmm. grounds
1: it in something that's not just like, oh, if 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 the butterfly wings had fluttered differently, it's like no. Most <laughs> of the right time, there. when the shit happens, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a million people who could have prevented it that are not just like passing narrowly by. They're staring right at it, like
0: yeah, and like either so- purposely ignoring or just like so incompetent that there's no way they can do anything. Yeah.
1: So I th- I thought that just disjointedness of tone, kind of like. Yeah, I don't know. It worked for me. Again, I would maybe go back to my argument of like, I think it's maybe what makes it a good movie, but not a good horror movie. because I actually
0: love that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's creating <laughs> something like visceral and uh, I don't know. It's doing something interesting, even if it's not giving us the feeling that we want.
0: I have to say, I agree with you when it comes to the cop stuff. Like the slapstick comedy with the cops is uh, effective. And it really highlights the political POV of this film. I just didn't appreciate it when it came to, you know, the rape and the murder. Like, it just was, it made it extra strange and almost like a little less, a little less respectful even of these characters. Oh, I loved the girls though. Maybe that is part of why I was, I said I didn't love anyone in this movie. That's not true. The two hippie girls, I I don't know. They're just so lovely.
1: And their naturalism, I find like, yeah our girlies martha and sarah did a great job um but it, i i feel like yeah. these original girls the realism the 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 innocence mm-hmm. isn't put on by like a close up on like her tank top as he, she's changing it's like the innocence and the realism of like those two young girls is like very felt yeah. i think and oh, that's part so of what cool. makes it so effective
0: and they're not act they're not like working actors i'm assuming like mm-hmm. they're just kind of seem like probably real people. Well, I'm not saying Martha McIsaac is like Hollywood royalty, but they are clearly, you know, union actors, Sarah and Absolutely. Martha. Absolutely, yes. Which makes raised it Raised on
1: sets, for sure. Raised
0: on sets and made, and made it feel like it was just a little less dangerous, a little more contained. So, which is maybe why I liked the remake more. You know, it did feel more like a movie and that made it, yeah, less of a, yeah, less dangerous for me.
1: Oh, see, that's why I liked it less. That's exactly why I liked it less. Do you want to hear my... This could be... You could save this for later if you want me to redo it. But um, just because it goes into an analogy. But do you want to hear my analogy? Yeah, I'd love it. So at first when I was watching this remake, and again, you can take me back if we need to. I was like okay this is like the Disney animated version of the grim fairy tale like we are seeing like the the uh, the like bubbly like cartoon we are seeing like everything work out in the world everyone's POV and intentions who we're supposed to care about are in the right place we know that she is wounded and they're all sad because of the sun dying and thus it it makes sense that their wounds would be even fresher that they'd be driven to this at this time um Mm -hmm. Where it, So at first I thought, okay, this is like the Disney animated version of like the, the originals, like grim fairy tale. But then I thought, <laughs> no, this is the Disney live action version because it's trying <laughs> to correct things in weird ways, but its POV isn't fully correct. It's so glossy. It's a bit uncanny, but it's doing all the, It's still telling the same story, but uh-huh. everything is a uh-huh. little weirdly off.
0: It's a little wonky and just not quite working and a little too glossy. Exactly.
1: And a little too like twenty twenty <laughs> energy.
0: And like getting TV budget, not not movie budget ultimately. Exactly. Yes. That's that's funny. While I have not revisited the remake since two thousand and nine, something about that sounds very possible. Yeah. Hilarious. I'd like to revisit it now. That makes me want to watch it more. I remember there being a a song in the trailer for the remake that I was absolutely obsessed with. It was by a band called Taken by Trees. And it was this like indie girly cover of Sweet Child of Mine. Did they play it in the film? Does that sound familiar? I don't think so. No. Oh, it's so good. And, um, well, remember that song with the whistling from when we were in, in university, something Bjorn and it doesn't matter. Oh,
1: like home. Oh no, no. Uh, yes, I know what you mean.
0: I think she was in that band. Since we're in the territory of the remake, I want to know a little bit more about it. Um, Am I right to say this was Martha McIsaac and Sarah Paxton in the roles of the girls? Do you remember any of the other... Like, did anyone else look familiar to you?
1: Oh my gosh, everyone. So the funniest thing about this movie, it came out 2009, right? Yes, 2009. And it is like a who's who of like twenty tens ish TV stars. We've got we've got Aaron Paul who Breaking oh, yeah. Bad started just a year before that. So and he gets he gets the death in the movie. I think like the, the big one. The microwave. The gar- no the garburetor.
0: Okay.
1: It takes cool. him a long time. the The microwave is our is our
0: uh, like Main last guy. shot.
1: Yeah, yeah our Garrett yeah. Dillahunt. Oh
0: uh-huh.
1: boy. I, I always want to say Garrett Headland, and I know it's not. I know it's not Garrett Hedland. Anyway. I believe you. Monica Potter is our is oh. our is our mom. Um, uh,
0: okay, I see Sarah Paulson in my brain.
1: No, so Monica Potter is from from 2010's parenthood. Uh, mm-hmm. the TV show Parenthood. So that is where she came in and she's mm-hmm. doing what she does best, which is her big eyes well up with tears out of out of fear for her daughter's safety and overall happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, that is what that woman does best. Good
0: for her. Um,
1: and then there's Tony Goldwyn as the dad who um, played the president on Scandal
0: like,
1: oh. in 2012. So these were all, this was like right as these, like, TV people who are all honestly probably nominated for Emmys within, like, a couple years of this. <laughs> um, yeah, we're in this movie. And then, of course, I, I'm a big comedy person, so I love seeing Ricky Lindholm in there. Although, I mean, talk about exploitation. Poor Ricky Lindholm is so unnecessarily topless for so much of this movie.
0: Oh, Ricky. Yeah,
1: yeah. But... Everyone did a good job, and Sarah Paxton and Martha McIsaac. I won't. I don't want to skip over. They did. They did great. Um, uh-huh. Unfortunately, I don't remember Sad Boy's Son.
0: I I don't know who that would have been, but maybe he doesn't need a name. Uh, Martha McIsaac and Sarah Paxton. For someone that just rewatched it, were were their demises as brutal as the original? Because it was well, brutal.
1: Sarah Paxton doesn't die, which I don't love. She oh. lives, which is like both. and and sad Gross. boy lives. So it's oh. like they both make it to safety, which is a little lame to me.
0: Is it because he like kind of save because in the original yeah. he kind of saves her, right?
1: Yes. He kind of fails at saving her. He does give um he gives uh daddy the gun. He gives Tony Goldwyn the gun. Damn. Um, which is nice. But yeah. Um, so Martin McIsaac's death is pretty brutal, and honestly, the rape scene is—I was not expecting it to be as brutal as it was in this remake. It's really brutal. It's really long. It's really uncomfortable. Um oh. so it's like the one
0: thing they didn't need to do. I like...
1: know <laughs> the
0: one thing no, they, they didn't kill her. her.
1: They kept her alive. Sarah Paxton's um, the
0: one that gets unfortun- assaulted. Oh, yes,
1: she gets raped. Yeah. Pretty brutally. I
0: guess, that, I guess that aligns with what happens in the characters in The Ridge. How, For some how reason does Martha had- MacIsaac get it?
1: Um. Well, she she gets it just worse in general. Like, she gets, I, I meant don't by know. murder, yeah. Yeah, I believe it's multiple stabs. Like, the last like, what finally gets her is, like, multiple stabs
0: because she, like, talks Classic. back
1: to Garrett Dillahun and is like, you're Aww.
0: pathetic. Oh, Martha. Yeah. I've seen her in a life stage production of Our Town. Wow. Um, also well,
1: unfortunately, the... she's not blonde, so she couldn't live.
0: That's true. That's true. And I think that oscillates every 10 years or so in horror. Either Absolutely, blonde, yeah. you live, or blonde, you die, and it's one or the other. And I think right now we're in flux. Couldn't tell you. Well, we don't see blondes in cinema anymore. <laughs> they don't exist. So. <laughs> like, there wasn't a single, was there a single blonde in Scream 5 other than Judy Hicks? And her son? I don't think so. I don't think there was. No, if there but was, if you
1: if you go to if you go that far, I mean, we hit midsummer. We get Flossie. We get we get Tony mm-hmm. with Hereditary. We get some blondes. Not too. far I don't know back. if
0: I want to count a twenty four. I don't know if, if I'm gonna. If I don't I'm not, if I'm... you
1: get to decide that. Unfortunately, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that I do. Um. So yeah. Overall thoughts about this rumok.
1: I yeah, I mean like
0: <laughs>
1: I feel like my my
0: <laughs> your analogy which was hilarious. But my not analogy kind ultimately
1: not kind, and and that's important. <laughs> I think um,
0: <laughs> to the truth, to the <laughs> to truth, to the truth. Of the matter.
1: <laughs> Listen, it did. I also want to say and and no and no shade to Martha McIsaac, um, because Never. I think she did a fine job in this. I think she really did a good job. I do think the movie starts to sail once she dies.
0: That's that's good for her. um, Oh no, reverse of good for her. That's bad for her.
1: Reverse of good for her. Although she was super charming. (laughs) Again, not a knock against her. It was more so a pacing thing. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) It also was funny to me just because of when (laughs) we're watching this. How much more of a summer movie this one is. Like it's very like this is our lake house that we go to for the summer.
0: Did you see in my outline how I spelled Martha McIsaac?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I did. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I literally was, like, not looking, and I didn't go back. Because you're so close, so much my friend. I thought she gets a trash outline, and that's what I gave you.
1: I love it. Thank I'm you. I'm here for your trash.
0: Mm, kind of wish I had rewatched it, but that's okay. I watched. The, I rewatched the original because I hadn't seen that since I was 12, and I feel bad. I don't feel worse. I don't feel better having watched it. I feel worse.
1: Really, eh? Damn. As a,
0: no, not... No, I don't mean I like it less. I feel No, I know.
1: Emotional. I feel worse.
0: I feel gross. Yeah. Um which you know what? To, I was not expecting that. I was expecting to think this is from 1972. This movie is silly. No. I mean, it's gross. I guess
1: that is what I will say like <laughs> And, and again, keeping in mind my maybe it's a good movie, but not a good horror movie. Like, Uh uh I just, uh isn't that what seeing this is supposed to make you feel? It's uncomfortable. And yeah, I guess Uh I just, I was, I don't know, as I was watching the Sarah Paxton rape scene, which is also just as brutal (laughs) I get, or no, I won't say just as because I've not seen the one, the 70s mm-hmm. one directly. So I don't want to com- directly compare them. I was definitely surprised by how brutal it was because I was expecting it to be much more toned down.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and then I guess I just would rather, if I'm being subjected to that, I would rather it fit in an overall package that is doing something that is saying something a bit more. The fact that it's in this glossy Disney live action remake package is what like mm-hmm. makes it so false to me
0: yeah interesting I, I I mean that sounds that sounds right and that almost makes it a little bit more exploitative because it's trying mm-hmm. to tone it down but like you know if you're having a severe rape scene but you have a reason for it and there's, there's and it's a about- it Sorry. and yeah no, yeah. What what are you saying?
1: Well, and it's just about the the um the crudeness. Like it's about the cruel, like the the cruelty is the point. In the way we're yeah. like, it's not in this next movie, or or it's trying not to be. Like it's like she lives, but we're still gonna see like Ricky Lindholm's boobs like unnecessarily for almost the entire movie. Like,
0: well, Rick,
1: I know they look great, but oh, I that's just, good.
0: Yeah. That's good. Um, Love her. She's still got a strong happening genre career right now. Absolutely, um, she does. I only say that because of Knives Out, but, you know, that's <laughs> enough. That is enough. Did you know, and for all the horror fans listening, they'll be well aware, but for you, um, the main villain here, his name is Krug Stylo, Um does that sound familiar to you? Does that sound like the name of another horror icon that we might be familiar with? Oh gosh, Krug, no. Kruger. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. get it? Yeah. So another, the uh, most, uh, one of the most famous West Craven joints, Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. Freddy Krueger, Krug Stylo. This is yes. just me trying to remember a fact i heard many years ago so if it's wrong just give me permission to be wrong but i believe um wes craven was bullied by a a guy named kruger or had a bad relationship with someone by the name of kruger kruger and just like your good friend josh (laughs) coringa all the real names make it into the scripts at some point or another
1: this sounds familiar to me as well, so it is possible that I either heard it on your podcast or we both <laughs> heard it on another podcast.
0: <laughs> but well, it sounds
1: familiar to me too, so I'm with you.
0: Considering you don't listen to my pop, no, wow, that's rude. I can't get into that now. No, no, no. And how dare anyone ever, um, what's the word?
1: Reference another podcast?
0: No, like, but like need someone they know to listen to their podcast because you're never no one will you know will ever listen to your podcast. That's kind of just how it is. That's the rule of
1: podcasts.
0: It's the rule of podcast. The only people listening are people you've never met. And I think that's beautiful. And I think that's okay. Although weren't we in public was it yesterday and I ran into someone from high school that knew about my podcast. Can you tell our listeners about that? Because that was kind of fun.
1: Yeah. We were having a less than successful um venture to a public pool on a very hot day. And we saw someone uh, who Josh knows from high school, who he hadn't seen in a long time. And it was just one of those beautiful moments where you say hi, and then the next thing that comes out of their mouth is, oh my god, I hear you have an amazing podcast.
0: Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, everyone's talking about my amazing podcast, are they? Maybe they're just making fun of it. How dare you make fun of my podcast?
1: (laughs) I'm sure that's Uh it.
0: If Who's Sarah? Paxton and who's Martha McIsaac of the two
1: of us. Of the two of us? I um, think I
0: know, but I think I don't Yeah.
1: I I mean I, th- I, I think mean it's it's, it's less kind to me that I'm the Sarah Paxton. It's like what, right. I have nice eyes and I can swim. Like And you're
0: blonde.
1: And I'm blonde, but I'm already blonde. <laughs>
0: yeah. You are. Yeah. Exactly. It's part of the package. Yeah. I and guess, I'm the, the Martha McIsaac because I have done the after school programs at Soul Pepper in Toronto, so Yes. It adds up. You're a comic
1: relief brunette.
0: I am a comic (laughs) relief. Yes, I am. All right, Samantha, would you mind if we get into the grand reason why we're all gathered around the campfire today? Last House on the Left, part two. I would love that. There was going to be a sequel to Wes Craven's Last House on the left. And I think the gist of it was, was we were going to see the main villain, Krug, Stylo or Stilo. He was going to be revived from the dead. He was going to come back from hell, and he was going to stalk a summer camp. And I believe that was kind of the main gist of what one of the iterations that was going to float around out there. How do we feel about supernatural take on this very natural story
1: well i can see why the sequel wasn't explored uh, beyond the script phase i will say that i mean like all of my things that i appreciated about this movie would absolutely go completely out the window with this like it does not need to be a yeah of course but it doesn't need to be that it can that can be i mean
0: no, I love that. I love that. Do you
1: love that. I, think... I do not. Oh, I think I it's.
0: That. I think that's silly. It's stupid. It's fun. It's wild. It's outrageous. I'm okay i I
1: love that. silly and stupid, but I don't know if I need this coarse killer who's not a lick of fun, who's just doing like brutal, chaotic murder. I don't know if I need him to be reanimated. Personally, I feel like that. Uh, that the whole thing of this is like the chaos of this just happening right and you not being able to do anything and I feel like having then making it this like supernatural killer completely it would be it would be a completely different thing which is Mm -hmm. I'm just glad that Wes Craven got to scratch that itch in other ways I will say that
0: (laughs) (laughs) I agree although I think you know the one way it would have been successful is if they completely revamped the tone. And I don't know if that's the route that they were going to go, but we're going to get into it a little bit more right now. So yeah, the idea of a sequel um, was generally proposed as bringing back Krug as our lead, as our main antagonist. He was played by the great David Hess, who of course is murdered in the very final moments with a chainsaw, and it's a pretty spectacular death. And the rest of the gang are pretty much dead as well which is going to make it difficult to bring back these villains for a sequel but they were trying to make they were trying to think of ways to make it happen so back in the 1980s vestron pictures they don't exist anymore but they were the ones behind last house on the left hired another pornography director by the name of Danny Steinman, so this is the the horror hero that also directed Friday the 13th Part 5, A New Beginning to write and direct The Last House on the Left Part 2. Danny Steinman for horror fans you guys already know directed probably what is for most people the worst entry in the Friday the 13th canon. A lot of people hate Friday the 13th 5 because the ultimate twist is that it's not really Jason as the killer. It's some other dude in the Jason mask. And I think that really rubbed people the wrong way. People felt a little, I don't know, hurt by that. But I think. Is that, that one hurt- your
1: fave? I forget <laughs> which no. one's your fave.
0: My fave is number six, which I do believe is okay. actually a general favorite amongst fans. How but yeah. I like you. I know. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, But part five, generally hated. And I have to say, I don't like it either. And it has nothing to do with the twist ending, personally. I don't care so much about the twist. It's just not a very well-made film. Danny Steinman, in, in my opinion, not so much a man of vision, but rest in peace. We're grateful for the work that you have provided us. And like Wes Craven, came from a background in pornography. So kind of an interesting, appropriate choice to continue The Last House on the Left lineage, I suppose. Indeed. Um, mhm. So there were a couple of concepts floating around over the years and uh none of them obviously came to fruition, but there was a really interesting article from I think back in 2016 that on blumhouse.com and they had a journalist by the name of Steven Scarlata and he had done a piece for Last House on the Left Part 2, which is where we're going to get a lot of our information today and there's a lot of really cool stuff out there. Something that I found Interesting, and I related to, is one of the reasons this journalist was so uh, fascinated with uh, unearthing Last House on the Left Part 2 is because he had encountered promotional uh, materials for the film, and I had as well. And so this guy, and myself was included, kind of lived a lot of our early childhood horror lives, believing that Last House on the Left Part 2 did exist in some form or another. But ultimately, it does not. Yeah. It's it's super mysterious and it probably fucked with a lot of people's heads because there was no internet at the time but Vestron put out this uh, I guess like a cut down version of Last House on the Left on VHS and at the end of it there was like a little promo for Last House on the Left Part 2 just saying like oh, coming soon or something like that. We got a that. little sizzle. We got a little bit of a sizz and not only that but there were like posters seen so There were materials for this film floating around the ether. They were really intending to make it, but it just kind of never happened. In a book titled Beyond Fear, we have an interesting quote where it gave a little bit of insight to Craven's involvement with the sequel. And it said, Craven initially planned to write a sequel in which Krug and company returned from hell and resumed their killing spree. But he ultimately decided not to go there. Uh, In the book Screams and Nightmares, we have a quote that says, the director had his own idea for a sequel which involved Krug and company coming back from hell to continue the reign of terror. But ultimately, he thought people weren't quite ready for that. What do you think? What do you think audiences in the early 80s would have responded to something like that? Do you think people thought it was fun? Or do you think we would have been horrified?
1: I mean, I guess I would say given how the initial response for the film was they probably were right that audiences were not ready for the comeback of Krug. Uh, uh, Although they were obviously in in Kruger form um, Uh a few years later, but yeah, I, I think that they are, they probably guessed right in this, in that capacity. I don't know if we would have been, Honestly, because of the same reasons that you brought up earlier, like this is not a charismatic. They give they make him a little more charismatic in the remake, I think. Um, but this is not like a a charismatic villain that you want to root for. So I think they would have had a really hard time making that transition.
0: Um, it would have been weird. I think yeah. I think a lot of people would not know what to have expect with something like that. And I'm not sure if audiences would have been flocking to a sequel for this, even exactly. though exactly did do well. So I'm interested to know what it would have been like. Um, There was a, an author by the name of Joseph Madry who had interviewed both Wes Craven and Sean Cunningham a number of times over the years. And he did get some quotes potentially about last house Two. And there was an interesting one from Cunningham. And I mentioned earlier, Cunningham is the man that was responsible for bringing us Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and here's something he had to say about potentially bringing Krug back from hell. He said, uh, "I think we were both heavily into drugs at the time. I don't think there was any way to take that seriously. <laughs> uh, there would have been a serious consideration. Oh, there would not have been a serious consideration. At least not in the '70s, certainly.
1: Mm-hmm. So I think
0: this is what is saying to me is that like maybe they were tossing around ideas, but it kind of sounds like some people were never really that." committed to bringing a sequel to the screen yeah,
1: yeah that that sounds about right it sounds like um under some substances or on the on, on the influence <laughs> of some substances uh a few ideas sounded really great being tossed around and probably yeah exactly as you said about yeah. one person in that room tried to run with those ideas and for everyone else they just petered out right after that (laughs) night
0: (laughs) i think so too but as i said they were going full hog by the i believe by the 80s to get uh, a sequel done and so i was talking about how there was this festron cassette of last house on the left
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: okay so it did release a teaser trailer after the main feature And I think it wasn't, you didn't see much because there was no footage actually shot, but there was a tagline. And can I read you the tagline for what, the the tagline for The Last House on the Left Part 2, what it would have been?
1: Absolutely.
0: The house that set the standard for terror, you won't believe your eyes.
1: (laughs) Okay.
0: I mean, I'm intrigued, (laughs) right? So I want to know more.
1: I think we could have gotten a second a second pass on that, a second, that, a
0: second <laughs> eyes, And my the house that set the standard for terror lowercase. You won't believe your eyes, caps. So wow. what were they thinking?
1: You know what that reminds me of? Um mm. on, on Who Weekly, the podcast, um, uh-huh. they've they've been talking about um Haley Bieber, her skincare uh-huh. line Road, which has the perplexing tagline of one of everything really good, and it's just that kind of disjointed uh certainty that I'm hearing in, in this uh La on the Left 2 I tagline. Could not,
0: <laughs> speaking of um disjointed certainty, mm-hmm. uh, did, did you see that interview with her and Gwyneth Paltrow?
1: I saw parts of it, yeah.
0: <laughs> I didn't see it, I just saw headlines, and I'm still laughing. Um, listen, I found Gwyneth Paltrow. During like this year that, that I no oh
1: no the politician yes
0: <laughs> yeah, the politician is what brought me and Gwyneth Culture together but better late than never
1: better late than never Absolutely. oh and it's with
0: what's, what's his name that's wait that's so uh, that's too bad that it had to be what's his name
1: Ben Platt
0: yeah yeah I didn't know that Ben Platt was Ben Platt when I watched Ben Platt you know what I mean I think you do yeah Craven has gone on record saying that there actually was a script that he wrote himself that. Uh, little Mr. Danny Steinman didn't like. In a book out there by the name of Last House on the Left, The Making of a Cult Classic by Mr. David A. Zooklin, we got a quote. I wrote a script for producers, and it had Krug and Weasel coming back from hell, but he decided to go in a different direction. I'm just so flabbergasted by a universe where Danny Steinman said no to Wes Craven, because, you know, you you know, you're less em- 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 no, what I'm having a stroke. You're less enmeshed into the horror world. But Danny Steinman made one terrible film and Wes Craven is the daddy of all horror. So how dare he? You know what I mean?
1: Well, maybe maybe uh Steinman was in when he thought it was just Krug, but when he when he heard Weasel was coming back uh, too, he said, No, too unrealistic. I
0: won't no, have it. I can't absolutely not. Um And was the son just named Junkie? I think he might have been, but I don't know.
1: It was sad that the son was on drugs. He gets a real name in the...
0: In the newsies? Yeah. yeah. Good for him. Uh, Do you want to hear some potential names for Last House on the Left Part 2?
1: I would love to hear some.
0: So according to Steinman, there was going to be a couple of names on the docket, including Beyond, The Last House on the Left, and... (laughs) Last House on the Left, too. Uh, Yeah, so what do we think of Beyond? (laughs) (laughs) What do we think of Beyond the the Last House on the Left? How do we feel about that?
1: I mean, I I get going, I get adding something to, before the title. Maybe they should have added something, like, to the end. Like, Last House on the Left, Around the Corner, or um, Last House on the Left, no, that's all I've got. I
0: <laughs> Down the road.
1: Down the road. Last house on the left. Uh, go Not around right. back. Go around back and leave the packages there. Um... Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Leave the order at the door, please.
1: Yes, yes, please. <laughs> leave a door, leave a door. Don't ring.
0: Please don't call. Um, thank you very much. What about Last House on the Right? What about First House on the Left?
1: I mean, there's so many options. I feel like Beyond is true Bottom of the Barrel. We've got three other directions.
0: No, I like Beyond the Last House on the Left because it looks like you're at the end of the street. There are no more houses. I'm going in the woods.
1: Oh, I like that.
0: Mm -hmm. Um...
1: Although wasn't the sequel supposed to be at a summer camp, which would not be Beyond the Last House on the Left?
0: Unless I mean, that's really where the summer camp was. was. Yeah, maybe it was. You don't know that it wasn't. In an interview with star David Hess, who does play Krug, he had some choice words for a couple of the different scripts that he laid his eyes on, and it made it seem like he maybe wasn't so um, disappointed that it never went to fruition. Can I give you the quote? hmm I saw a couple of different scripts, and one was worse than the next. It kind of fizzled. At one time, they were going at setting it at summer camp. Danny, Simon, and I had a lot of talks about it, and we didn't want to make it a straight slasher movie. We thought that once we got on set, we could work with it and make it more interesting. After all, it would seem to me that it would be really hard to make a sequel to Last House on the Left. I mean, how are you going to make it better? Huh. 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 Doesn't sound like he was so into it. It, it sounds like he's signing like on, it. though. It sounds like he was gonna gonna get the money, honey.
1: Absolutely, you gotta. Okay, I have a way better pitch for okay, this reanimated sequel.
0: <laughs> Why don't
1: we reanimate our girlies? Oh, who
0: that's so good.
1: Some something to vind, someone something to vindicate.
0: So the girl lives. Uh, so so the evil woman lives. Let's say. Or like, they or don't like, live. Doesn't...
1: Oh, that was not no, no, what no, no, I was no. thinking.
0: No, I know that's what you're saying, okay, but this okay, is, okay. I'm adding, I'm going on to your pitch. just yes, me. She lives somehow, okay? So she got away scot-free and is like-
1: Ricky is in the woods.
0: Of, in the woods, new criminals, and, and like has like a new set of bad people that she's around. Okay. They resurrect Hood and come back, and she is the target. And they go, oh, and they, yes. And they
1: go. <gasps> I love it.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like it too. We're passing that Bechdel test, baby. Oh yeah, the Bechdel test, off the charts. (laughs) Blown it up. Yeah, I love that, Samantha. That was a great pitch. Actually, I kind of want to pitch that to the world now. I know, me Um, too.
1: I'm into it.
0: And also, I always want to explore uh, the woman raping men (laughs) themes. No, I'm cutting that out. Some peg Um, raping? Yeah, why not? It's very 2022
1: i mean the prince williams into it so
0: prince williams into being pegged
1: yeah have you heard that that's like the recent like gossip as of like this weekend is that like being pegged by like this other woman who kate was like it's fine you can do this i don't i don't want to do it so it's fine but don't fall in love and then guess what he fell in love
0: love. with the with the pegger with With peggy lee
1: peggy lee
0: (laughs) yeah. <laughs> i mean it's kind of hot but yeah Liz, well,
1: i mean, it I hot mean it's you? hot for it's them hot. i guess yeah
0: i don't want to yuck i don't want to yuck the muck anyway <laughs> uh samantha my beautiful friend my wonderful collaborator yeah. do you foresee a world do you envision a future where we may see a sequel to house last house on the left
1: well i think that we just have <laughs> pitched uh, here we have we have a concept high. I mean Okay, I have a
0: title. I have a title. Do you want to hear my title?
1: I want to hear your title.
0: Last House on the Left, Resurrection.
1: Wow. Simple mm-hmm. to the point. We got a colon in there, so we've got, got all vocal. the we've got all we the roads. All the roads lead to success. Nope. That's not how that
0: goes to Jerome. And there's so many other wonderful resurrection horror sequels that we get to sort of live in the shadow of. Yes. How family. Alien, The Matrix, Scream, the TV show. Lots of resurrections out there.
1: Which Richard's right. sister do we get in this one, though? That's my question.
0: So you think that there's... Wait, wait. In in a real world, okay, in the real world where we don't exist because we're fake, do you think we could see a sequel to Last House on the Left? Answer me honest.
1: No, unless it is, like, a... I mean, uh-huh. the 2009 remake tried to do it, its thing of, like letting the ladies live. Um, st- we're still going to rape them. We're still going to make them take their shirt off, but one of them, the most purest of them all, will live. Um, and so I could see, like, that kind of thing being made again. I feel like we're kind of destined to to m- make those mistakes again and again and again. Um, but the only real sequel I could see is something like, what we're what we're suggesting honestly of like a true reversal i don't personally think like this world is one where you can resurrect this villain of krug and make him interesting enough to sustain a franchise
0: no i i agree with you or we could pull an, an I it to the summer part three where krug is now like the legend of Krug and he's like a uh, like a visceral entity rather than mm-hmm. um, I love that. that. No, no. I mean it didn't it's work almost in any. Right? Like like do they do Scream
1: Twenty Twenty Two.
0: No, I mean like they did it in like a su- like a supernatural way. Of course, of course. And um on that note, Samantha, my friend, if you wanted to be found, where can people maybe find you on the internet? Well, Mm -hmm.
1: I post very irregularly, but if you do want to find me anywhere, I am at Samantha Reyes, R-E-Y-E-S underscore uh, on Twitter and I believe Instagram. There might not be an underscore on there on Instagram, but you'll figure it out.
0: I think they will. I believe in them. And that was our episode today, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. Happy birthday to our king. We love you, Wes. And even though I lied to you last week and I said we were going to take a break, I didn't mean it. How could I leave you? I would be so sad. We're going to be back next week with uh, a pretty special episode. And I'll see you then. Thank you so much for listening to Development Hell. If you enjoy this podcast, then please do us a major favor of leaving us five stars and writing a positive review. It really makes all the difference in the world. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode of Development Hell.
1: Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.